Hello, Sooner Nation and Texas fans. Welcome to the inaugural edition of the Boomer Bebo podcast. The only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football. That's right. The University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas. I'm John Whitson. This is my good friend, Kevin Miller. Kevin, say hi to the folks. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being here with us. Hey, um, before we get started, we want to thank Brown O'Haver. That's who Kevin and I both work for, for sponsoring the Boomer Bevo podcast, sponsoring this inaugural episode. And uh, Brown O'Haver, we are a public insurance adjusting firm. We work for the insured, not the insurance company. So if you've had a loss and you would like uh, somebody to take a second look at it, feel like you got shorted by the insurance company, give us a call, 405-735-5510. Let us work for you, not the insurance company. Kevin, I'm John from Brown O'Haver. People have heard me. Who are you? Well, I'm Kevin from Brown O'Haver um, from San Antonio, Texas. I've been living in Oklahoma for five years. I worked for Brown O'Haver since the day I moved here. So um, Now, that day was interesting because we hired you on a Thursday. You got the offer letter on a Thursday. It was the first Thursday in October. I remember shaking your hand, congratulating you, and saying, now we just need to get a win this weekend, and we'll be, this will be a great weekend for you. <laughs> and you gave me like a really odd look. Yes, correct. Uh, do you remember that? Oh, how can I forget? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I looked at you and I said, wait a minute. Are you a Texas fan? I said, I, I had to confess. I was hoping you wouldn't rescind the offer letter. Listen, we considered it. We considered it, but we won that week. That would have been, uh, you said it, 2017, Lincoln Riley's first uh, Red River rivalry. Correct. Um, and I'm Good glad game, by the way. I'm glad we did. Hey, we've been talking about doing this podcast now for five years. I mean, almost, almost a week or two into you working for us, we've been talking about how much fun it would be to just talk OU Texas, Texas OU uh, as much as possible. And now we have the opportunity. I'm really excited, man. Hey, better late than never. You know, there's, there's a long history there, so there's a lot to catch up on. You know, the other thing, too, uh, that's interesting is uh, you and I have another connection. I'm from San Antonio. You're from San Antonio. Where'd you go to high right. school? I went to Holmes High School. You went to Holmes? Yeah. And I went in the same district. I went to Taft High School. Same district. Yeah. You played football, though, so you yeah. might have a little more insight into the game that we're going to discuss on a you know on an episodic basis. Uh, I played basketball, um, not very good, but I did play some basketball for Taft High School just a well, little bit. Same here. We had some really good athletes at the time, and I, I certainly was not one of them. So yeah, it's just cool that we both. I mean, it was it was a really small world when we talked, and I'm just I don't know. I'm excited to get this going. So let's do it. Um, Another thing that I want to talk about is why now? Why is it now a good time for us to start a Boomer Bebo podcast? Man, there's just so many things going on. I mean, the upcoming move to the SEC, a new coaching staff for, for OU, some, you know, Texas with a second-year head coach. It's just so many moving parts. There's just so much to talk about. I think that's something that we could hold a, a whole episode on is the move to the SEC. Yeah. But I just just getting it off the getting getting it kind of off my chest early. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome for Oklahoma. I think it's awesome for Texas. 
I think it's awesome for college football. I'm I'm excited about going to the SEC. Is, is Texas fan as excited as OU fan is? We are excited. We're more excited about the road trips right now. We're we're a little bit concerned about competing on the field right now. Is uh, just real quick, what's the AM thought? Are you excited to get to play AM again? Do you want to play AM again? You know, I, I do want to play AM again. I miss that game. You know, it was always fun. You know, they're almost like your neighbors. You know, you, you grew up in San Antonio. You know how it is. There are Longhorns everywhere, and then there's Aggies everywhere. And you go to school with them, you know, you're friends with them, you go to church with them. They're everywhere. So it's, it's a fun thing for bragging rights. I imagine it's like the Bedlam rivalry, except both teams win a little bit. It's a bit more balanced than uh, the Bedlam. But it's fun. You know, I, I absolutely miss playing them. I miss going to Kyle Field. It's a great place to watch a football game. Can we agree that AM is the most pathetic fan base in college football? Yeah. Does yes. Texas Texas has to feel that way, right? Even though, yes. you know, y'all haven't been worth a flip for 10 years. I mean, AM is pathetic. They're an interesting bunch. They do have a great home atmosphere, though. I'll give them that. If you ever get to go to Kyle Field, that place is rocking. But that's they're, like, they're that's like saying that your quarterback though. throws a good deep ball. You know what I mean? He can't throw anything <laughs> else, so he throws a pretty deep ball. You know, I just. Yeah, well. Anyway, I digress. This isn't this isn't an A and M podcast, but I'm uh, yeah, I'm excited about going to the SEC. Uh, we're excited about the uh, uh, the road trips, and an Oklahoma fan is we're in our heads mentally figuring out how we compete. Yeah, we know Alabama, we know Georgia. We we'll we'll put them one or two, but it's where we fit in that pecking order. And I don't know. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, LSU, Florida, you know, Tennessee, what are, what are they going to be? There's so much talent there. I mean, I'll tell you saw what, what Arkansas though, did to Texas last year. I wish we were entering now when that LSU and Florida are kind of down. I, I hope yeah. they don't ramp up. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, yeah, oh, man, let's let's save that. Let's put that on the back burner for another episode. Uh other upcoming episodes we're going to have, we're going to be talking about the best and worst um, Cotton Bowl games. Yeah. So get get your thinking cap on for those as we come up closer to those. Uh, we're going to talk about the most loved slash hated players. And um, I, I was at a little kid's soccer game and got number a number of recommendations on the most hated player. It's funny. We didn't even think about our favorite players. We just went straight to most hated players. Yeah. Yeah. That, that we know who the favorites are. That's yeah. to go without saying, but it's so I'm looking forward to seeing who y'all hated on our team. Uh, Cause I know who I hated uh, for the last 20 years. Yeah. And then um, we'll do a, uh, we're, we're going to do a season preview at some point this summer yes. and kind of look at what we think from a prediction standpoint and uh and then also uh the format is going to kind of be once we get going once a week we're going to kind of break down the games we'll break down how they looked yeah full recap of uh both teams how they look what we liked what we hated am i going to have to get the longhorn longhorn network now you know Can I just come to your house so I don't have to actually support that? Yes. Is it on YouTube TV? Can you get the Longhorn Network on YouTube? You cannot get it on YouTube TV currently. You cannot. Well, how do you get it? I don't have it right now. You You, don't have – we're going to do a Boomer Bebo podcast and you don't have the Longhorn Network? Well, what I do is when there's a game, I get a Sling TV subscription and they offer it. So 
That's it. They show about one or two games a season on there. I, this isn't indicative of how much Brown O'Haver pays you, right? I mean, we, we no, not at all. Okay, no, just, just this is your logistics. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, well, I can get the Longhorn Network on DirecTV, but it just goes against every being. You know, I might actually have it. I don't know. I won't even look at it. It makes me mad look, to think about if it. If you want to see the 2005 national championship game, just put I don't want to see that game. They, they show it all the time. I do not. Yeah, that's the whole, yeah. like ten times a week. Yeah, I would imagine that's your one highlight of the last twenty-five years. So yeah, I get it. There, I bet it gets there are a few lot. more. There are a few more. But the first half of last year's game, they probably show that and just ended at halftime. Yeah, about two and a half quarters, and then and that fell apart. <laughs> are we going there already? I, I thought we were going to build to that. You know what I mean? Um, hey, so but what we want to talk about on this episode now that we've kind of gotten our intros out of the way and everybody knows who we are and what we're about, I want to talk about with the. With NIL, with the transfer portal, with everything that goes along with college football, the only mainstays are the coaches, right? They set the the foundation for the program, and it can have an effect on a program well past their career uh, at the particular school. So to set a foundation both for – our programs, but for this podcast and the two programs we're going to talk about, I want to talk about the coaches. All right, let's do it. And I want to go back as far as Mac and, and Bob, because that's okay. kind of where we're, I'm a little older than you, but we're, that's kind of where our real interest level really started to pick up. Um, right. I mean, I watched just back in the day. I can tell stories from the, the 80s and the early 90s. It wasn't great, not really for either of us. Um, I mean, the eighties, yeah, the eighties were actually really good, but I mean, the nineties weren't great, but let's just, yeah. let's, for the sake of picking a starting point, let's start talking some coaches and let's, I want to hear what y'all think about your coaches, our coaches and vice versa. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll start off with Mac. Okay. So it was almost, we didn't really appreciate Mac for a while there. Look, and did you not appreciate him until the national championship? Or are you talking about after his career? You know, it really wasn't until after his career to, to where we realized everything that he had to deal with. Because Texas is an interesting place where you, you're not just a football coach. You have to kind of stroke the egos of the boosters and, and donors. You have to wear a lot of hats. And he was really the best at that, at being a coach and then balancing all those other responsibilities that come with being the head coach at a place like Texas. You know, Oklahoma fan on this podcast, I'm going to speak in generalities and people can comment on it later if they want, but I think Oklahoma fan liked Matt Brown. Okay. I think he was a likable character. I think because we had a winning record against Mac, it made us like him even more. Um, but I think most of all, we, we liked him. And I think we made fun of him. We, we made fun of losing to us. But at the same time, especially early on, winning a lot of games. Yeah. A lot of – I mean, Mac won a lot of football games. Well, it was tough. It was almost like – remember John Cooper at Ohio State? Yeah. You know, he would go to, you know, 11-1, and 10-2, would lose to Michigan every year. That's how it became with him. You know, they would go, 
10 and 2, but they would always lose in the Cotton Bowl. I mean, that five, five games in a row, you know, it's, it's rough. So it got to the point to where people were thinking, okay, he's a great coach. He's a great recruiter. But when it gets to this big game in this big stage against the best team on the schedule, the team would kind of fold a little bit under that pressure. But and winning, as a head coach, it would go to him. So, But his wins against OU, the ones he did win were big wins. Yeah, well, see, this I'm really referring to the first few years, the streak between 2000 and 2004. Yeah, that, that five year span was rough. Well, I mean, that five years cemented Bob's legacy, right? I mean, not to, not to jump around to Bob too much, but that he became big game Bob because he beat Texas five times in a row. Correct. Um, but back back to Mac. He he loses five times in a row, but then the wins that he does have are ginormous. Oh, it, was, it was great after that. I mean, 05, 06, you know, seven was a close game. 08 was probably the top, you know, one of our top moments in the whole rivalry. And then 09. So to go from losing five in a row to winning four out of the next five, it completely transformed what Texas fans thought about him. And then, you know, his reputation from a national standpoint too. So Mac has... Mac has one national championship. Yes. Which a national championship is a national championship, but one national championship on the shoulders of Vince Young. Yeah. And I think that always gets added to that for Mac. It's like, oh, but he had Vince Young. Like no other coach has ever had an amazing player to coach with. Yeah, and I think that's unfair. Yeah. I think that's very unfair. How I, in a hyper I know it's hypothetical and but who cares, right? It's our podcast. We can talk about what we want hypothetically he uh Cole McCoy doesn't get hurt against Alabama and they win that what does that do to the trajectory of the program to Mac I mean is that yeah. is that is that the pivot point in Mac Brown's career is the only oh, absolutely legacy defining moment there I mean if they win that game I mean I've heard that he may have retired after that game and ended his career with you know, two national championships and, and went on about his way. Will Muschamp, who was a defensive coordinator, they'd already made him the head coach and waiting. He was set to take over the program from there. A lot of people and think everything a, a lot of people when that when that first happened with Muschamp thought y'all dodged a bullet by not getting Muschamp. But then, you know, when we get to the rest of your coaches, it's going to be kind of like uh, maybe maybe Muschamp would have been too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, it's all been kind of it fell apart. I mean, really, the whole program fell apart after that Alabama game. I, I just, you know, we know how good, we know how good we were in 08. Yes. And y'all were, y'all were right there with us in 08, obviously. Yes. Uh, 09, we, we thought we were going to be another amazing team. Bradford gets hurt, Gresham's hurt. Very unlucky. Very unlucky there. Yeah, you got Landry Jones and, you know, whatever. This wasn't ready yet. When we talk about most hated players, put him on my list. But anyway, um, so it's going to be – I mean, 09, y'all were loaded. What was that defense like on 09? Oh, it was great. I mean, you know, Sergio Kendall, Lamar Houston, Roy Miller. I mean, just talent everywhere. Earl Thomas in the secondary. Yeah, it was great. It was Muschamp leading the way. I mean, incredible on defense. The offense didn't click as much as they did in 08. Um, they didn't have Quan Cosby, who they lost at receiver. So it's really Jordan Shipley and a lot of 
younger developing players. Not yeah, a McCoy was a gamer, you know. Yeah. He's he's uh, he's not going to show up on my most hated list just because I I I respected his game. Yeah, you know he fought. He wasn't the most talented guy, but my God, he figured out ways to win ball games. And he was recruited to be Ryan Paralu's backup. <laughs> right, yeah, that's Paralu. what we. we yeah, <laughs> it took us. It took us sixteen minutes to get an obscure reference. That's awesome, Ryan Paralu. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. ended up at LSU, and did he? He played. Did he even play a season? He, he did play. Yeah, and I think um, I know they. I think they won the SEC championship game with him at quarterback that year. Oh, maybe they but, did. But, you know, he had off-the-field stuff that yeah, kind of derailed. Yeah, he was different. He was yeah, different. He was. Um, okay, so you get into Mac's waning years, right? So, unfortunately for Mac, McCoy did get hurt. You lose to Alabama. You can't really find a quarterback to replace McCoy. Well. And go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. They had Gary Gilbert. He was five-star top quarterback in the country. Well, after the game, after the Alabama game, he didn't like the fact that they were so reliant on their quarterback. So he changed the offense completely. So he had Greg Davis, instead of running the spread offense that Lake Travis was running, that Texas was also running, he decided to go two tight end, fullback, power eye, and put Gary Gilbert under center. And they literally go from. Why would you do that? Why Why are you changing the offense of a, a of a team that went to a national championship game and uh, could have, should have, would have went to a national championship game in 08? Like, why Why are you making that choice? It did that fit his skill set, or was Matt I, trying to prove something, or what? I think it's the biggest mistake of his career. I mean, they literally go from eleven and one national championship game appearance, Big Twelve champions, to five and seven the very next season. They didn't lose that much talent to justify that kind of drop-off. I mean, that's an historic drop from a team that's competing for a national championship. And that's Max five, – five and seven is Max's worst year. Correct. He bounces back eight, five, nine and four. His last year is eight and five. You could make the case it's not a dumpster fire that Mac leaves behind. But it's probably time for Mac to go. He's worn his welcome out. Are, were y'all ready for him to go? Is, yeah, is that a it popular was move? It was time. Yeah, it was time. So Texas fans, okay. We're yes. ready for him to go. Yes. We bring in your boy, Charlie Strong. <laughs> yes, Coach Strong. First of all, everybody loves Charlie Strong as a person. Dude, he OU fan loved Car- Charlie Strong. O- yeah. OU fan was like, oh, man, this guy's tough. He's going to, uh, you know, boy, we're glad we don't have to play him all the time. Blah, blah, blah. I mean – he, he said the right things. He got you kind of fired up. He wasn't great. No, he did a pretty good job at Louisville with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. And he had an eye for talent, bringing in, you know, a lot of three-star players and developing did he bring him in into the first round. Yes. But, I mean, again, though, I think that's a little bit of luck, too, because they wanted Armani, his, his, uh, his brother. So oh, they really? Took Deontay. Yes, Tell me that. remember wait, Armani wait, was story? Armani Foreman was a higher rated recruit. He was a high four star receiver, and they kind of wanted to go to school together. But nobody else were they in the same class? The were they in the same class? Yes, uh-huh, I believe they're twins. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't uh, know. Don't I, I, okay, that. I guess I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, 
but nobody wanted to offer Deontay. Nobody. So it's so, so I, he I gets think credit if, if for OU would have Deontay Foreman, but he really didn't recruit Deontay Foreman. He recruited yeah, well, I mean, he did. He did offer him. I mean, he he wanted Armani enough to. Well, it doesn't offer matter. Him. Nobody else did. Uh, instead, real quick, back to Mac Brown, real fast. I wanted to make this point. Uh, when Mac Brown beat Bob Stoops in his final Red River game, uh, did you get the feeling that the the half that that when the coaches met at midfield? That Bob was that Mac was like, I got you one last time, USOB. Did you get that I'm sure feeling? He was thinking that, yeah. It, it, it there it's was like something you made there. my life miserable, and yeah, that was it. his one kind of fu on the way out. For sure. I think so. I for sure. I kind of yeah. saw that in Mac's eyes, like you know what? I got. Yeah. They're running me out of town, but at least I beat you. Yeah, it, that was um, one of the most surprising uh, victories for Texas in the whole, at least my history of the rivalry, and just. Oh, it did not just, expect that at all. No, and the we game was just not come, close. That was to say we had just come off of playing Notre Dame, beating Notre Dame in South Bend. Uh-huh. There was no reason, no reason we all should have won that game. I thought we were about to get run. I mean, after what had happened the last two seasons, yeah, you know, before that, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Charlie Strong the last three years, and was the job too big? I think so. Those other things, I think I think it was just too much. I think Charlie Strong wants to be the football coach. And there's just too many other things, and which as a Texas fan, I don't like the fact that our head coaches have to deal with so much other crap besides just coaching the football team. And of course, everybody has appearances and coaches shows and all that, but it seems to be a lot deeper than that in Austin than it is here in Norman. It either is, or it's the the most often cited excuse for not winning. You know. So it, it just, makes me – it's like how many more – I get it that Texas has the boosters and the 40 acres and Matthew McConaughey on the sideline and the blah, 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 blah. But does not all schools have that? Does not all schools have you know, boosters and guys on the sideline and famous alums? And, I mean, what makes – why is Texas Texas? Why do they get to use that as an excuse every year for sucking? You know, I just can't think of another reason why – why is Charlie Strong good at Louisville and then going five and seven at Texas? Why is Tom Herman 11 and one? Is it because University the players are entitled? Are they entitled players? That's you know, there may be something, there may be something to that. OU fan says players. that when Texas recruits show up at Texas, they're, they immediately think they've arrived and they're soft. But how, and how they, could that be possible when recruiting the same because, players? Well, no, no, they're the, the same, same player. School, they're the, the same, same player, but when, but when they get to Texas, they get soft. Yeah, but, I mean, if it's a new coaching staff, right? I mean, you set the tone for those players as soon as they step foot on that campus, right? I mean, yeah, they no, get here. I, I, I hear you. I just, I, I just sometimes think that Texas likes to just have reasons to make up, you know, re- reasons for excuses for losing. Well, like, I'll we're tell terrible you this. Because, because we're Texas. And, uh, you know, we have to do all this stuff. And, you know, no, people don't have to deal with as much stuff as we do at Texas. Like, okay, well, I, why don't you just I'll win t- football games? I'll tell you this. You know, it's it just seems to be a lot to deal with. And the administration seems to be concerned with a lot more other things than winning football games. Like band, like band, like band songs at the end of games you know, and stuff? You will, yeah, that's part of it too. But, yeah, you know, showing, hey, this is a, such a great academic institution. Hey, look, we have this. We have this, whereas University of Oklahoma says, hey, look, we win football games. 
Well, thank you, Kevin. That I think we could end the podcast with that line yeah, right there. Yes, that's facts. the that's the tagline. I, I can't dispute facts. Uh, all right. So Charlie Strong loses to Kansas, which has to be like the lowest point in Texas football in twenty years, right? I mean, oh yeah, by maybe far. longer. I don't know. By far, and he's out. Even though exactly. Foreman rushes for like twenty one hundred yards and two thousand yards, and nobody cares. Nobody even nobody cares knows. that that guy was probably the best running back in the last half of the twenty uh, uh, twenty ten twenty tens. Correct. Yeah, uh, in, in the maybe not the country, but at least in the Big Twelve, maybe the country. I don't know. I mean, he was uh-huh. outstanding. He was. Uh, then you you went, then you get Tom Herman. Holy crap! Now this guy was a he was a douche. He was an interesting guy, that's for Does sure. Does Texas uh, fan uh, agree he was a douche, Kevin? That's what we yes, want to know. Yes. No one How could he not be? No one likes no one likes Tom Herman. You know? Did he Okay, so like we're not going to talk too much about Brent Venables because um he hasn't coached the game yet. So not not today anyway. But the 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 sentiment is that coach Venables has done nothing wrong yet. Right? Correct. Like every step he's taken has been the right thing to do. Whether right. it's how he handled Caleb Williams, whether it's how he's done the spring game, incorporating old players, old coaches, blah, blah, blah. Let me ask, did Tom Herman do anything right in his career? You know, well, he recruited well, but he didn't develop. He um, Are we basing that on recruiting rankings? I'm not being, I, I'm not being too funny. Are we basing that on recruiting Yeah, we are. Ra- we are. So what was his recruiting rankings? Just ballpark. You know, I don't have him, you know. Top, was he top I five? Think, okay. Most most of years, top ten for sure in the top country. The, okay, the first class was not because it's a transition class. You know how that goes. Okay, guys are decommitting left and right, and he's pulling in. You know, he was at Houston, so he got a few guys he had committed there. Uh, Sam Cosme um, and Daniel Young, running backs that were committed to Houston, he brought them and put them part of Texas recruiting class. So that one was rough. But the next one, I think he had a top five class. He had a top seven class. So all his classes were in the top ten, besides the first one. So it's not. It wasn't the talent. No. It it uh, was. It's not the resources. Never. No. So is it because he had too much other stuff going on to be able to come? You know, no. It, it's it's a complete lack of player development. I don't know what all goes into that, but I mean, we're seeing guys who aren't getting better who come in. They have a good freshman year, and then two to three years later, they're just at that same level as they were at the end of their freshman year. Guys aren't, guys aren't getting better. Was Ellinger – What? I mean, I always just thought he was an okay quarterback. Like, yeah. pe- when people use the words gritty and tough to describe athletes, it makes me think they don't win a lot of games. Like, well, that guy's it, gritty it, and tough and, and they're not will do talented. anything. What's that? Yeah, it makes me believe that they're not super talented when guys are tough and gritty, you know? And so if Ellinger is the best quarterback you can have pretty much Herman's entire career, right? I mean, did he coach? Oh, absolutely. Um, Shane Bouchelle was there. Okay. That first year, but, I mean, about halfway through the season, they went with, it they was went Ellinger's with job, and, yeah, it, he never looked back. Can you point to Ellinger as the reason they didn't do better? Because if that's the ceiling for quarterback development, that is is that the reason? Or is the, is was Ellinger really being held back by Herman? You know, I think there's something to look at that from both angles. You know, I think he was limited in what he could do. 
But I thought what he could do was enough to win a lot of football games with. And I don't think he was he was never a guy that was gonna, you know, be a national championship uh quarterback unless he had, you know, elite talent all around him, kind of like Stetson Bennett at Georgia. How much did the weird back comment after the Sugar Bowl backfire on Sam Ellinger and Tom? You know, tremendously. Tremendously. You know, I don't fault him for saying it. You know, you don't fault him for saying it. Not at the moment, no. I think, you know, you get caught up in the moment. Look, this is a guy, he's a Texas fan. He's not, a, like, because most players are players. They back up we're back fans. with it. They back up we're back with an 8-5 and five record in, the, in, in a yeah. week Big 12. Exactly. And, again, I don't follow him for saying it at the moment. He's, he's looking at him like a fan who, you know, who has seen a program completely fall off, have no success in 10 years. I mean, he was there as a fan for all of this. It's like, okay, now we've won – a Sugar Bowl, we beat a really good Georgia team. And I know they may not have been amped up for it, but, you okay. know, they had beat Georgia, had a, you know, made the Big 12 championship game, lost a really, really close Good game. Break game. Good game, yep. So, you know, it's like beat Georgia. Okay, this is starting to come together, you know. And I think he he got caught up in the moment. Holly Rowe asked him. He lost it. So, and it, but it did backfire for sure. So, what, was it just the eight and five with Herman, or was it just everything that Herman brought to the table that they just couldn't handle it anymore? Texas in the last. Oh, year? It, it was it was everything. You know, I mean, if you're gonna go eight and five, you know, you, you at least have to be Michael Boy. You know, you're everybody and can't dislike you. When they're in the interview process, how does anybody sit across the table from Tom Herman and like that person? Like, you want know, to work with Tom Herman. You know, I'm not sure, but, I mean, this guy was the hottest coach available. I mean, any program that was hiring a, a head coach would have hired him. I mean, LSU only hired Ogeron because Tom Herman decided to go to Texas. He could I, wish have I, could do, I wish I could do a Coach O impersonation. Yeah, it, that, that's... <laughs> it's it's like... Um, sure. It's like a like a... I think of like um, what's the Adam Sandler movie? Um, which one with Bobby Boucher? Oh, the Water Boy. Yeah, I think of like the Water Boy. Like, I'm sure that's cliched when you but think just, of Ozark, uh, but it really is. Like, just deeper though, you know. Just yeah, my my parents lived in Louisiana for like 20 years, and that's absolutely Louisiana. Like Ed sure. Ogeron is the dude that you buy your gas from, you know? Yeah. He's likable. He He's a likable man. Extremely. Apparently not from like assistant athletic director wives who are pregnant don't like him. That's a different story, but yes. But everybody else likes Coach Everybody, o. yeah. Everybody loves Coach o. His girlfriend's kids get to go to practice. It's great. Tom Herman, on the other hand, unlikable. Unlikable. And so he gets fired for being unlikable. Is that right? Is that the way well, to make decisions at Texas? Being it's 85. It's really hard to justify and- it either way, isn't it? Eight and five, though, I mean... Y'all, it was terrible. It just... Losing games... Look, losing to super talented teams, losing to OU, as much as it frustrates Texas fans, you get it? Because, I mean, it's a great program with great players. Yeah. When, when you're consistently losing to the likes of, you know, West Virginia and, you know, Kansas State, and it's teams that you should beat. Yeah. And right, every so, year. So, enough of that loser. You go on to Sarkeesian... Sarkeesian is the 
is has gone through the Nick Saban car wash, right? He's he's cleaned up his act. I like that, by the way, the Nick Saban car wash. That's you're welcome. Yeah, you can use yeah. that. So, and he's he's no longer a drug addict or alcoholic. He's cleaned up, right? He's not going to be slurring speeches in front of boosters because there's so much to handle at, at Texas, right? I mean, there is. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. So we're now we're confident that he's going to, you know, keep that going. And so you hire Steve Sarkeesian from Alabama. Albeit that being said, the offenses he coached were unbelievable, unbelievable at, at Alabama. Yeah, historically, is that Sark or is that players? It's both. It's both. Okay. You know, yeah, because, I mean, we've seen teams. I mean, if you look at Georgia's offense over the years, they've got five-star guys, offensive line. They've got four- and five-star receivers and running backs, and their offense doesn't look like that. Right. You know, even with Justin Fields and, you know, Jake Fromm was a five-star. Jacob Eason was a five-star. So, in Georgia, they just have never looked like that. They've never had that sort of offense. So, I – I think OU fan thought it was a weird hire. Okay. I think it was the obvious hire because of the success. Okay. But when yeah. you took a step back and said, okay, what was his record at Washington? Yeah. Not, not great. What was his record at USC? Yeah. Not great. Mediocre. Absolutely. Uh-huh. So as a head coach, you, you, You've had mediocre performance. You aren't a coordinator for the – I hear you talking about scheme and all that. It, I'll give it to you. But honestly, the most the most talent-laden team in college football it has been and unfortunately looks like will be for a little bit longer. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. You, you, you bring them in and you go five and seven. Yes. Is Texas fan saying the haters were right or that he just needs to get his own guys in? You know, I think everybody's trying to give him time. You know, we've ran so many coaches out of town. I mean, Charlie Sean was gone after three seasons, four for Herman. You know, I think everybody's just saying, you know, the, the jury's still out. Basically. What do you I don't think? think anybody's, what does Kevin you know, Miller what does Kevin Miller think? On the boot on the first episode of Boomer Bebo podcast, I will play this after the season. Right, mark the tape. What, yes, this is a hot take. Okay, mark the tape here. It, it, All right. Eve Sarkeesian gonna make it for you guys is he the man i don't know if he's a man i don't know if he's a man Look. Oh, that's the weakest hold on i'm not done yet kevin we are not on the boomer bevo podcast to give i don't know answers all right we want definitive uh uh episode like we want people to tune in and go oh my god this kevin miller says like the craziest stuff all right i'm ready okay, i'm yeah. asking a question again first of all you know i'm not a hot take guy but here, right. here's what i'll say fair enough here's what i said i all think right. he'll be successful i think he will be better than Herman ever was. Well, I hope so. And I mean, Charlie Strong, it, it won't take much from the win uh, loss column to be better. What does Sark need? What is what does Sark? Does he need? Does I mean, does it come down to be, does beat know you enough to secure him a job this upcoming season? Am I well? He I think that's he helps. He's going to lose to Bama. We know that. Oh, that's a loss. yeah, that, yeah. I mean, and you're probably going to lose to TCU because y'all always lose to TCU. Yeah, he beat TCU last year. Did you lose to Oklahoma State? Yes. We did too. So I guess we can't say too much. But anyway, I mean, does beating OU get him another year guaranteed no, no matter what? Is he in I think, on any I mean, kind of hot seat? No, not this not this year. Not th- I mean, look, if he goes five and seven again, I mean, look, it's going to be a right? discussion. 
is going to be, yeah, yeah. But who's left? Who's left to go get? <sighs> yeah. I mean, let's I mean, start talking is, future Texas somebody. coaches. Let's start talking future Texas uh, coaches. Are we going there already? This is the road we're going down. Okay, like, there's got to be a hot OC somewhere. I, there's, there's no, I haven't made a short list. There's no, oh my there's no short list. Kevin. We're, we're, we're all, all in. We're yeah. all in with Sark. We're all in. Kevin, we are 36 minutes into our first episode. Right. My podcast advisors, Alice Young, have um, told me that most people only listen to 35 to 45 minute podcasts. Okay. Since we have just finished talking about Steve Sarkeesian and we're going to transition over, I think this is a good time to end episode one. And we will uh, pick back up with the legendary Bob Stoops. How does that sound? Let's do it. Sounds great. Everybody, thank you for listening to the inaugural Boomer Bebo podcast. We're excited to get this started. Uh, We're open to feedback and comments and suggestions. Put them all on my social media page. Look me up at uh, John doesn't have Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or MySpace and post whatever you want there. I don't care. But for real, we appreciate y'all listening. And uh, Kevin, let's pick this up in episode two. Looking forward to it. All right, buddy. Have a good one.